This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. The opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station. If you've missed any of this show, you can follow the podcast at EnergeticCity.ca. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Welcome to another episode of the show. A little later on, we're going to be chatting with City of Fort St. John's new arts and culture manager, Erin Griffith. We'll chat about her new role with the city and hopefully a bit about what she's working on and looking forward to working on in the future on that portfolio. But first, Northern Health announced last week that regional gatherings restrictions were being repealed and we were aligning our public health orders with the rest of the province. To talk a bit about those changes and, of course, changes to COVID-19 testing policy as well, we're joined now by Northern Health's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. John Kim. Dr. Kim, welcome back to Moose Talks. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you very much for joining us. All right, let's start with the circuit breaker restrictions, if I can call it that. Um, They were put in place in, I want to say October. I could be wrong about that, but it's been some time. It was in addition to uh, or kind of on top of all of the restrictions and orders that were already in uh, in place across the province. Those were just lifted late last week and now we're aligned with the rest of the province with their public health orders. So can you tell us a bit about why those restrictions were lifted and, and maybe what you saw that allowed you and, and Dr. Bonnie Henry to say it's it's time for them to be gone? Uh, thank you very much. So during our last week, which was driven mainly by the Delta variants, we see in the northern BC the, the significant vulnerability and the impact on our healthcare system uh, from the COVID-19 transmission and severity in our region. And that was actually evolved, uh, what was uh, overall the pro- province was kind of experiencing at that time. Mm-hmm. So as a part of a strategy uh, for that Delta variant kind of wave, uh, we added restriction to the province to respond to the special situation we're having in North. Uh, with the Omicron, we are seeing in the North significant rise in number of cases. Uh, we also seen the rise in the hospitalization, but it has been much more stable compared to what we've seen during the previous kind of wave. And in terms of a trend in the case and trend in the hospitalization, Northern Health is largely following what we've seen in the rest of the province. We are a bit behind, but it's it's following the same trajectory. Uh, so with that, like knowing that Northern Health is following the provincial kind of a trend, like uh, that the provincial measures uh, is assessed as sufficient to provide protection for the Northern communities. So we decided uh, to repeal the Northern Health specific additional uh, kind of restrictions and align with the kind of provincial measures. All right. So then I assume since they were repealed, I mean, there's no expectation that even if we're a little behind the rest of the province in the trends, as you say, that we would have to have additional restrictions when maybe they're being repealed in other parts of the province. Would you say that's fair to say? Yeah, at this point, as uh, the provincial restrictions uh, kind of uh, can evolve, like we will continue to follow that kind of provincial evolution. We heard about uh, fit and uh, fitness and gym kind of restarting. We're hearing about uh, some youth uh, sports league kind of uh, kind of start uh, tournaments kind of starting. We follow that those provincial approaches. 
Okay. I have to, I'm just curious how this works. And I think we talked about this the last time you were on when the restrictions were put in place. I mean, how involved are you in the decision or is it you kind of advise and, and sort of talk to the PHO and say, this might be something we need to do. Here's how we should or can do it. And then they ultimately make the decision. How does that work? Thank you very much. For the provincial, uh, the provincial health officers order uh, that it's uh, Dr. Henney kind of make decisions. And yeah. she has been, uh, she has been very good, like consulting with other public health colleagues across the province, including uh, regional health authority medical health officers. Uh, that Northern Health uh, order, like uh, that's come under uh, that the Northern Health Chief Medical Officer uh, can name and and my responsibility under the public health app. Uh, we then that is based on like our assessments whether given the northern health situation do we have a sufficient protection in our community but that is also done in close consultation uh, with the dr henley and uh, and provincial and other regional colleagues all right well then i have to ask i mean and i think i know the answer but do you ultimately think the restrictions that were in addition to the phl orders that we had just in the kind of the northeast and northern healthier were they effective or was this really about as you say, just aligning with the rest of the province because we're we're seeing the trends sort of following the same as 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 they're seeing. Thank you very much. One part is that as a baseline with the provincial uh, order, we have a significant measures in place. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, with a, uh, for example, we have a vaccine card in many of the services. Like we've seen uh, in the northern BC as well as in the uh, BC. Uh, those places will be placed in the vaccine card and events and gathering. There has been a significant reduction in the clusters or tra- evidence of transmission of COVID-19. But that has been kind of effective. In the Northern Hell's previous circuit breaker, they came in with a very special situation we had in the, like the Northern BC with a significant burden. Uh, so it came with the additional restriction as well as a, a significant enhanced enforcement work uh, for the Northern BC kind of region. We have observed that uh, that the, the compliance and a collaboration of the community and community partners uh, had improved significantly during that period of enhanced measure, enhanced enforcement, enhanced communication with the community measures. And before we get into the we before the Omicron kind of driven wave started, we have seen significant reduction in the Delta the variant wave and uh, that the community restriction along with other special measures has been part of uh, uh, what led to that. All right. I want to change gears to COVID-19 testing now. Now, I mean, this is one of those things that's changed a lot over the course of the pandemic, of course. I remember a time when it was, you have any symptoms, you call the uh, 811 number or the hotline, I should say, and they would recommend to you if you should get a test or not. And it seemed like it was... If you called and you had one or two of the symptoms, they would definitely recommend that you got the test. That's changed a lot. And most recently, it seems the guidelines have changed to you can stay at home and isolate for five days if you're vaccinated, if you're feeling unwell, like you have COVID, but you don't need a test for it anymore. Can you explain a bit about what the guidelines are now and why they've changed and and seem to have made it more uh, stringent about who can get a test and when? Yeah, thank you. Like uh, those, uh, you're right. Like we've seen a significant change in the testing strategy and recommendations across the kind of province. Uh, that's a 
kind of based on two major things we've seen like with Omicron. One is that Omicron is highly transmissible. Uh, so even compared to the previous large wave, we're seeing a much larger number of cases uh, with the Omicron. That also means that the, that the capacity we have for the testing and the follow-up really need to focusing on the people at the high risk uh, that we can actually make a difference uh, with the testing. The second part is that the, the people who are at the high risk has changed too. Like uh, with the Omicron, for each individual, we're seeing the less severity, especially if you're uh, kind of fully immunized, uh, so less risk for the uh, kind of hospitalization. With that, we've seen the change in the testing strategy, really focusing on the two major groups. One is that uh, for the individual who are at the risk of more severe illness, so you have a kind of like the medical history or clinical factors, like your other clinically extremely vulnerable group or immunocompromised or unimmunized, so at the higher risk of severe illness, or you are in a higher risk settings, like you're, like for example, healthcare workers working in a healthcare facility or long-term care facility and so on, like they are prioritized for the kind of test. For people who don't have those risk factors, fully immunized and having the mild illness and they can manage uh, their, their symptom on their own, uh, they can, the testing actually wouldn't make a much difference, especially in terms of the, the healthcare and the need for healthcare resource or the kind of clinical care or public health measures that need to be taken. So for those people now, we are kind of recommending that you can manage on your own. And these are the resources that you can use, including BCCDC website and the Northern Health website, and, uh, and but don't need to get tested. I want to ask also about the isolation time, because again, that has also changed a lot. I think at the, again, near the start, we were talking two weeks if you had a positive uh, COVID-19 test. Now, as I said, five, I think it's five days if you're vaccinated, uh, 10 if you're not. Um, Why has that changed? And is it have something to do with the Omicron variant being somehow less, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the word, less you know, transmissible over a shorter period, like a shorter period of time than previous uh, versions of the coronavirus? Yeah, thank you. It's a combination of the one part. So we are understanding better and better about the COVID-19 and uh, how like, uh, and more data into what that kind of risk of infection would be. Mm-hmm. And also second part, we're better understanding that uh, with the isolation period and uh, having that isolation period and intervention around the isolation period, how effective we are making a difference kind of with that. And the third part is that uh, uh, that we are understanding more about the Omicron, uh, which uh, the evidence showing, as you mentioned, shorter incubation period. And that led to that uh, the differentiation, one part differentiation between the immunized person and unimmunized person for the case and, uh, and recommending the longer or shorter period of isolation for the, the case, overall shortening the period with a better understanding of uh, incubation and reflecting what we are learning about the kind of Omicron. That also is a part of that, unless you are in a kind of high risk settings and so on, that for people in the community, if you're close contact, uh, we no longer uh, recommend you to isolate, but just monitor yourself closely. And uh, one last topic I want to broach with you before we let you go. Um, vaccine requirements at the Fort St. John Hospital and just hospitals and healthcare facilities in general uh, in Northern Health. I mean, it was kind of mandated, uh, and again, I believe it was November of last year, that you had to then have vaccines up to date, uh, the COVID-19 vaccines, if you wanted to continue to work, uh, you know, in, in specific healthcare care settings 
like the hospital, for example. Um, we hear lots of rumors about how many people actually were forced to leave. Um, you can't speak to specifically at the hospital, but do you have an idea sort of in general in Northern Health what that number might have been or what percentage of people uh, had to were forced out of their jobs because they didn't want to get vaccinated? Yeah, thank you very much. I apologize. I do not have a specific numbers, and I'll follow with you uh, with our communication team, like after the interview, like on those numbers. Sure. Uh, so as you mentioned, the Northern Health, we implemented provincial measures, and during that, and the kind of kind of re- requirements, uh, we during that implementation, like the Northern Health ensure that each staff that might be impacted by that has been supported and kind of consulted, and each facility we supported kind of risk assessments uh, with uh, this staffing and uh, like, uh, like meeting their kind of requirements uh-huh. and supported kind of proactive planning and a follow-up uh, at there. I think the overall, like uh, the Northern Health, uh, we have to do that during the first wave with a significant impact, uh, but the, the staffing situation was relatively well managed in a way that the, that the vaccine mandate like requirements did not lead to a significant kind of additional uh, kind of stepping crisis or diversions or the disruption in the services uh, uh, to what would have experienced otherwise. All right. Well, Dr. Kim, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us about this today. Thank you very much. Not ever. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful day. You too. That's Dr. Jong Kim, the uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health, or Medical Health Officer, I should say, with Northern Health. We'll be right back to talk to Aaron Griffith, the new Arts and Culture Manager with the City of Fort St. John, right after this on Moose Talks. Your family, they're your whole world. You do whatever it takes to keep them safe, warm, happy, and healthy. At Marsh and Sons, they feel the same. After all, they've built their entire business on family. For 50 years, they've been fixing hot water tanks, unclogging pipes, and repairing furnaces in the Peace River region for families just like yours. If it's a plumbing, heating, gas fitting, or mechanical issue, let the Marsh family help your family. Marsh and Sons, furnace repairs and more in Fort St. John. See martiansons.ca Do you have some good news you'd like to share with the community? I've got good news. We here at Moose FM know that the news has been bleak lately and want to spread some positivity. Whether you're fundraising for the SPCA or saw some kids selling lemonade in your neighborhood, we want to hear about it. Email us at news at moosefm.ca and we'll share your good news right after the 7.30 news and online at moosefm and energeticcity.ca. Good news brought to you by Frontier Law. We look forward to hearing from you. A big part of Petron is the guys in our installations department. You might think we just install two-way radios and cell phone boosters. We do install those, and we do a great job. But what you probably didn't know is we also sell and install all types of LED and amber lighting, GPS systems. We are an authorized GeoTab and GeoTrack installer, as well as an exclusive GeoForce partner. Ask us how to track any of your equipment via satellite for just $10 per month. Our name is Petron. Come down and see Cameron and the boys. You'll be impressed with what they can do. I'm Bob Zimmer, Member of Parliament for Prince George, Peace River, Northern Rockies. It is my honor to serve our community and to be your voice in the House of Commons. If you need assistance with any federal department, like the Canada Revenue Agency, Immigration, Passports, or any other issue, please stop by my Fort St. John office at 9916 100th Avenue. We're open from Monday to Friday from 830 to 430 or call 250-787-1192. We look forward to seeing you. 
VJV Dawson Creek is holding their second annual kickoff extravaganza Saturday, January 29th at the Dawson Creek location on 116th Avenue. The day will start off with a supplier trade show beginning at 9 a.m. and continuing to 5 p.m. There will also be a bread, cow, and heifer sale from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and a bull preview at 1.30 p.m. To register a bull or for more information, contact VJV's Dawson Creek office at 250-782-3766. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to the show. I am Dub Craig. Well, the city has a new arts and culture manager. They were looking for somebody to fill the position last summer. They filled it in September, and we're going to talk a bit about what that role is and uh, how this person came to be in the role. We're joined now by the Arts and Culture Manager with the City of Fort St. John, Aaron Griffith. Aaron, welcome to Moose Talks. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day for this. So I wanted to start with this. Uh, Tell us a bit about yourself. I mean, how did you come to this uh, role with the city? Sure. Um, I I started in, I owned a couple of businesses and have a degree in, uh, in theater design. Uh, and I lived in Terrace, BC for about 20 years, owning my own businesses and doing cultural events, running the art gallery or managing the art gallery, managing the local theater there. Uh, and then in 2016, I went back to get my master's and uh, ended up at National Theater School in Montreal and uh, moved to uh, Regina, where I became director of production for the globe theater which is the regional theater there Mm -hmm. um and i and i wanted to get back to a small community so i started looking to see if there is an arts jobs are really hard to come by yeah (laughs) so in smaller communities so i was really happy when this position opened up at in fort st john and was was happy to to get back to a smaller place all right so i mean you've been around a bit kind of gathering the experience uh, for this role that's wonderful uh We want to talk a bit about the role itself, of course, because you're kind of the first person to have it. This job's brand new to the city. They may have had sort of, you know, iterations of it in the past. But I wonder if you can tell us kind of what, uh, you know, what your responsibilities cover and and kind of what it is you're expected to be doing uh, for the city in regards to arts arts and culture. So... um from my job description <laughs> and mandate, I think I'm kind of finding my way because it's a brand new department. Yeah. But my main my main objective or kind of what I'm jumping in with is is to support arts and culture in whatever way that I can or whatever way the city can. Um, so really listening and talking to groups and arts groups, community groups, culture groups, finding out what they're doing, where they intersect, um, helping people connect, leading people towards grants, um, coming up with ideas for people if they're um, if I'm seeing something that they're doing that you know might uh, might fit in with something someone else is doing, so that's been a big part of uh, of what I'm doing right now, and also developing, I guess, the framework for an arts and culture master plan is what we're working on right now. So I'm, I'm hoping that that rolls out next year, which gives more of a strategic guideline for us or a map to follow. I see. So would you say then it's accurate to say it's less about maybe saying? I have I uh, Aaron have this idea for a festival that we should start with the city and more about let's hear your idea for a festival and how we can support you in making that happen. 
Exactly. And I think just finding out what the community is interested in doing and and uh, what's working now, what people need support in, what they've wanted to do but haven't been able to do necessarily. Um, and if we work together, we can accomplish a lot of things together. You know, arts and culture never has a no or arts and culture nonprofits have uh, big budgets mm -hmm. or <laughs> so. But work by working together, I think that we can really we can really help each other to create some new events and and uh, things that people will want to see. Yeah. Now, I mean, the city, of course, monetarily supports events and has for a long time in different ways and, you know, renting space and, and that sort of thing with the various, uh, you know, infrastructure they have. I wonder in uh, talking to some of the kind of groups you've maybe had a chance to talk with so far who do uh, arts in, in and around the city, uh, not expecting you to bash the city, of course, but if you've heard kind of what struggles have been previously and and if that's sort of in your capacity to make an improvement, to make that relationship better. Well, I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping we can make those improvements by listening and communication. I think it's a big part of it. And now that I'm here, there's one person that everyone can kind of go to for those arts and culture questions, and I can get back to people. So, you know, regular interaction with the North Peace Cultural Center, with the Arts Council. Um, so so having those kind of interactions, and I'm building more, you know, talking to people with the, at the school board and, um, and teachers and uh, and local businesses and trying to kind of connect everyone and listen to what's going on and address questions or concerns as best I can. So that's definitely part of part of my job. And I and I hope that that will help <laughs> going forward with those communication issues. I see. Then, and are you then someone who can now approach council, uh, given that you're a city employee, and sort of say, hey, here's some things we're hearing. We this group would like this, we'd like to do this sort of thing and sort of make recommendations to council for them to vote on whether or not to support things financially and, and whatnot going forward. Is that sort of another kind of role you have as well or? You know, I, I think so, but I'm really learning my job in a municipality. I come from the world of nonprofits, so mm -hmm. I'm having a, you know, I've been here five months, so really learning how how my job works within the municipality. So if someone, uh, for instance, the festival application that Dale Plour just put in, mm -hmm. um, I would have walked through, you know, uh, what what to put in his application, what, you know, what they may be looking for in the presentation, um, just to make sure that all of that was fleshed out and then, you know, helping him book the times with that. And then from there, I would take that back and consult with all the departments and make a recommendation going forward. Um, not just my recommendation, but, mm -hmm. you know, a consultation with the rest of the departments. So, um, so that's kind of what I, I can do as far as, I understand recommending things to the council for um, for events and um, and financial things usually have to fit into a budget, obviously, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as with any organization. So we have a planning time. So I hope that I kind of have my ear to the ground for projects that people are interested in doing so that when we're planning for the future years and making our budgets that we can uh, capture those things in our planning yeah, for our arts and culture programming. And certainly that festival, a big uh, news item from the most recent uh, council meeting that Dale uh, made a uh, uh, mm -hmm. talk to counsel about that so then i wonder if if uh, as we established earlier on you're less about putting forward your own ideas for what the city could do and more about listening um if you could tell us a bit about maybe um 
what you're most looking forward to kind of going into the spring and summer? Because this is kind of the time when planning's being hashed out for those summertime festivals, gatherings, music shows, whatever they have to be. Have you already started to hear some uh, things and have some things on the go for that? Or is that kind of what you're most looking forward to? Yeah, we're just, uh, you know, uh, leaning into supporting the Pride Festival right now and what they may be planning. Um, we just recently in December did a pop-up gallery uh, in conjunction with the North Peace Cultural Centre mm-hmm. and the North Peace Gallery. Um, so planning some kind of another one of those for the spring, um, probably in conjunction with Pride. And uh, also writing grants for some facilitation uh capacity building projects uh we've we've got a we in partnership with uh, north peace cultural center um so projects coming forward that way and canada day which we're working on with treaty eight to help mm-hmm. with the planning so that might look a little different this year and yeah so we're a bunch of different things going on uh don't have you know a big budget for this year so i just started and and that kind of came in after the budgeting had been done for the year so i think the the arts and culture master plan will be a really big focus too so that we know that we're heading in the right direction as well with um with planning and and what we're choosing to do and and choosing to spend our money on and support is a different that's different right like the i think that continued support and the continued interaction and listening to what other people are doing and helping people connect and identify funding opportunities and things like that uh that's kind of a continual thing that'll keep going. Wonderful. Well, Aaron, we really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. Uh, Belated welcome to Fort St. John from us. And thanks uh, so much for doing this. It's been lovely to meet you. It was great to meet you, too. Thank you. You're very welcome. That's Aaron Griffith, the Arts and Culture Manager with the City of Fort St. John. We'll be right back to wrap things up on Moose Talks right after this. Got folks coming over and my vacuum won't suck, so I throw it in my truck and I'm off to the vacuum store. It's on 99th at the Fix It Up right open 10 in the morning till 5 at night. They got all the supplies you need, you know. Vacuum won't suck. Man, it doesn't work. Gets on my nerves. Energetic vacuums on 99th Avenue across from Friendly Pets and on Facebook. Can Do Oil Field Services is a privately owned pipeline and facility installation company in Fort St. John. They strongly believe in executing all their jobs, functions in a safe, cost-effective, timely manner. Can Do Oil Field Services is a proud supporter of the oil and gas industry. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Our thanks to our guests today, Dr. John Kim and Aaron Griffith. If you can check out energeticcity.ca slash podcast right now, you can download and listen to the podcast version of this show. This show will be available shortly. <laughs> have to wait a few minutes for that. Uh, you can also check out past episodes while you're there and listen to our other podcasts, Voices of the Peace and Before the Peace. Listen in all the time at energeticcity.ca slash podcast. Well, that's the show for today. Trey Lopashinsky is the producer of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. 10.
Thanks for listening to this EnergeticCity.ca podcast. EnergeticCity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join.